light and darkness are two very distinct opposites, yet they were both created by God. Spiritually speaking, we should love light and hate darkness. But what about on a practical basis? Are we looking at darkness in the wrong light? Stay tuned. It's a little bit like technology. Technology is often neither evil nor good, but how we use it is evil or good. This is Science, Scripture, and Salvation, a Creation Radio Journal. I'm Chris O'Brien with the Institute for Creation Research. Some need the comfort of the little glow from a nightlight in order to sleep, while other people can't sleep unless it's totally dark. Some folks fear the darkness, while others have an adverse effect to too much light. Such contrast between light and darkness is not only found in the natural world, but it's also located within the pages of Scripture. Don't be in the dark. Join us for the next 15 minutes as we discuss the concept of light and darkness relating to science, to Scripture, and to salvation. Dr. Danny Faulkner is professor of astronomy at the University of South Carolina at Lancaster. He says, although we know about light and darkness, that doesn't necessarily mean that we understand it. Darkness is usually defined as the absence of light, so that part's easy to define. And we know an incredible amount about light, but I don't think we really understand what it actually is. We do that a lot in physical sciences anyway. We, we know a lot about stuff, but we don't really get the nut of matter of what it actually is. Light is fascinating, and it has taken hundreds of years of scientific research to learn what we know about it today. Let's take a short walk through history with Dr. Faulkner as he tells us about the study of light down through the years. The ancients, for the most part, thought that light had a corpuscular nature. That is, it was made of corpuscles or particles. Then about 340 years ago or so, 330 years ago, Isaac Newton comes along, and he was the first to really clearly establish what we call a wave theory of light. And a wave we define in physics as a periodic disturbance in some medium. There are certain things I call interference and diffraction and so forth, and these are all properties of waves we can demonstrate with sound and with water waves and so forth. Newton demonstrated a lot of these, and people after him demonstrated them. So for two centuries or more, the wave theory of light was, was king. We uh, viewed light as being a wave, and and eventually, uh, in the 1860s, a man named James Clerk Maxwell, who many people think was a Christian, wrote a, a complete work unifying electricity and magnetism. And one result of that theory was he predicted that light was an electromagnetic wave. And in the 20th century, more discoveries were made that, interestingly enough, corresponded with what ancient scientists had already observed about light. Max Planck, he was a famous German physicist, he explained what we call the, the ultraviolet spectrum that we have of black body radiation, and uh, the classical models wouldn't fit, and he was able to describe it as uh, light consisting of a bunch of little tiny particles that later were called photons. So right back to the ancient Greeks, we have now light as a particle, but at the same time it's also a wave. And you can make up an experiment where you test for the the particle nature of light, and it proves it's a particle, do a different test where you check for the wave nature of light and it proves it's a wave. And to the classical physics mind from Newton on down, either it's a wave or it's a particle. It can't be both. Today we say that it's both. We've synthesized them into a new idea. And it's this wave-particle duality. And everything can be described as a particle and as a wave at the same time. And it's useful to view them one way or another. So uh, if people ask me what light is, well, it's both. It's a little packet we call a photon, packing energy, but it's also a wave phenomenon through electromagnetic fields. And I can't quite understand 
the different aspects, but we know that both of them are true. The scientific fact that light is both a particle and a wave can be compared to the fact that when the light of the world came to the earth, he was both God and man. I think to a physics person who understands this to a certain degree, helps understand certain things. For instance, uh, Jesus Christ was fully man, just as you and I are, but he's also fully God. And how could he be both? Well, he was. You know, I can't be God and God can't be man, but yet Jesus was both of those things. And I can't really comprehend that, but I accept it as being true. And I really can't comprehend light being both a particle and a wave, but I accept it's true because the reality is there just as the duality of Jesus is there. As fascinating as light is to us, darkness is just as mysterious. And although darkness may not be as complicated to understand as light, Questions about both still go unanswered. Dr. Faulkner. What about darkness? Total darkness would be a lack of photons. It would be a lack of vibrations or waves in that medium we have in space. And I don't know in an absolute sense if you can have absolutely no light whatsoever. If you define light to be the whole spectrum, not just visible light, but also ultraviolet and x-rays and infrared and all those kind of things, you always have some sort of electromagnetic radiation or we define it today to be light. Now, our eyes may not see it, but it still exists. There are always photons of light, no matter how dark that it may be. I've been deep down inside of caves before, far from the entrance, and there's no light, visible light at all. But yet my body's giving off infrared, the walls are giving off infrared, so there's radiation. But because we can't see the entire spectrum of light, darkness has a dominating effect on us. Dr. Jonathan Henry, professor of physics at Clearwater Christian College in Florida, says a curious thing about darkness is how we sometimes perceive it. Darkness is sometimes conceived as somehow evil or negative. And it certainly is true that on the earth as it is now, that crime rates go up at night and people sometimes do things under cover of darkness that they don't feel they can get away with in the light. And we always have the cliches about shining the light on political corruption and so on. So the way our world is today, in its sun-cursed state, people often do use darkness and secrecy for doing things they shouldn't. However, we should remember that God created everything good in the beginning, including darkness. The Bible doesn't talk about darkness as inherently evil. It's a little bit like technology. Technology is often neither evil nor good, but how we use it is evil or good. And we can use darkness for good purposes as well as evil purposes. Darkness can be naturally a time for rest, which we all need. And maybe sometimes we need to get more rest than we do. The Bible even has an interesting statement in Isaiah 45, verse 7, which specifically says that God created darkness. Uh, That verse in Isaiah actually says, I create light and I create darkness. So there's a just about as direct a statement as we could get that God does not consider darkness to be inherently evil, but again, how we use it may be evil or good. So we need to use the things that God has given us for good. The fact is that God did give us darkness in order to have a time of rest, and he did not give it to us to be misused for evil purposes. So far, we've been discussing light and darkness in a practical manner. But spiritually speaking, there's a lot we can learn by using light and darkness as examples. Dr. Donald Chittick is president of Creation Compass. 
He compares spiritual light to physical light. The physical reality of light tells us a lot about, as an object lesson, about the spiritual light. Jesus said, John 8, 12, I am the light of the world. And he shows us spiritual insights in how to live our life to get the most out of it. We are to walk as children of light when we accept Jesus as our Savior and try to please him. And when we do that, in the spiritual light that God gives to us, Jesus is the light of the world, then we can avoid objects, spiritual objects that will harm us, just like physical light. If we're in the total dark, we could crash into a wall or a tree or whatever. But if we have light, we can avoid dangerous objects. And as Christians, we should all be shining lights. Each person is different, and we can't demand that other people follow our pattern because God created each of us differently. And we have in chemistry what we call a flame test. Each atom has different characteristics and has its own properties. For example, if we use strontium and heat it in a flame, it'll be brilliant red. That's what they use, these road flares that are red. Or if we heat a copper compound in the flame, it'll be a most beautiful green color, almost pure green. Or if we use sodium, it'll be yellow and so on. Each time I see that, an atom heated in the flame, it'll turn out its own color, just as each Christian can reflect light when God comes into our lives. As Jesus said in Matthew 5:16, Let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your Father which is in heaven. So with his light we can glorify him. Not only is Jesus Christ the creator of physical light, but as Dr. John Whitcomb, president of Christian Workmen Schools of Theology, tells us, without Christ, all of us would be in spiritual darkness. For example, all of this is dependent upon what John's gospel already announced in chapter 1, verse 4, concerning Jesus Christ. In him was life, and here are the words, and the life was the light of men. He is the one who illumines human beings so that we're rational, we're not like animals. We are capable of hearing him, seeing him by faith, and entering into his eternal light and life. In verse 5 of John 1, And the light shineth in the darkness, and the bad news is the darkness comprehended it not. Now you see, John goes on to say in chapter 3, uh, something very, very tragic about this. This is the condemnation, John 3.19, that light, that's divine light, the light of Jesus Christ, is come into the world and men loved darkness rather than light. Why? Because their deeds were evil. People don't want God to interfere with them, to give them guidelines and requirements. Well, of course, we don't like his law in our heart because we're sinful. So, we see that unlike darkness in the physical realm, spiritual darkness does represent evil and is the worst thing that can happen to a person. We are self-condemned and walk in darkness of our own making, and our sin remains. So Jesus, in his love, in the love of God the Father who sent him, doesn't want us to walk around in spiritual blindness and darkness. He said, I am the light of the world, and he who followeth me, who believes in me, who trusts in me, shall not walk in darkness, but shall have the light of life. Dear friend, do you need the light of God? Is your pathway full of stumbling stones and side tracks? Is the mud deep into which our feet sink? Do we need a Savior? 
Of course we do. And my suggestion, and in fact my appeal on the basis of the fact that I came to see that light when I was a student in a godless university 63 years ago. I was an evolutionist, I was an atheist like my father and grandfather and like most of my teachers at this great university. That night, a person who loved me enough to pray for me and tell me the truth about Jesus Christ told me who he is, what he has done, and how I can just by simple, genuine faith take him at his word and say, Lord Jesus, I don't know all about you, I don't know all about the Bible, but I know right now I need the light. I need a Savior. Bring me out of darkness into your light that I might rejoice in your presence, your promises and provisions forever. And that's my prayer for you, friend. May God provide. Thank you, and God bless. As our program comes to a close, we hope that you've been encouraged. It's our desire at ICR to show that the Bible can be trusted, both historically and scientifically, and to give facts that will build your faith. As Christians, we need to understand the scientific basis for our beliefs. We pray that this program will aid you in your discovery of science and the Bible. You know, most people aren't aware that today there are thousands of scientists that are convinced of the truth of biblical creation and not evolution. Our non-denominational ministry aims to restore and strengthen the Genesis foundations of the Christian faith. If you've enjoyed today's edition of Science, Scripture, and Salvation, a Creation Radio Journal, why not visit us on the web to find out more about the work of ICR. The address is www.icr.org. Again, www.icr.org. Science, Scripture, and Salvation, a Creation Radio Journal, is a production of ICR. For the Institute for Creation Research, I'm Chris O'Brien. Thanks for tuning in.